This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome along to the Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. After a huge win for Liverpool at Anfield on Sunday with Pep Guardiola's side beaten thanks to a superb goal from Mohamed Salah and another assist from Alison Becker. Ian Doyle, Paul Gorst and Tom Cavilla are all with me. We're recording this live on the Blood Red YouTube channel. So if you've got any comments or questions as we go along, do stick them into the comments section. We'll try and get to a few of those as we go. But uh, Gorsty, I'll come to you first. We've said it once or twice already over the last few weeks, but it does seem a little bit more realistic now to suggest that this might be the moment that kickstarts Liverpool's season. Yeah, I just think it, it could be a um, could be a defining week, really, in terms of Liverpool turning around the season because they absolutely battered Rangers in that second half. Then the Inola talk after them scoring six second half goals was how much um, Liverpool would be able to kick on and, and take that kind of form into the game against Manchester City. Similar situation the week previous where they played really well against Rangers and looked like a bit of a corner had been turned, then had Arsenal the weekend. And all the talk was of the caveat of Rangers not quite being a top-level team and Liverpool coming up against a team who, who will you know, kind of consider themselves in that bracket. So um, it was great that Liverpool were able to, to build on that, really. Um, so it's the... I mean, it's the best best result of the season. It was also the best performance um, when you consider who it was against. I thought Liverpool were, were outstanding, really. So many players across the board. And, um, yeah, it, it basically it, it has to now, doesn't it? It has to be the win that kicks Liverpool's season on. And, OK, the title might already be gone, um, in all honesty, but they've closed that gap on, on City to 10 points. They've still got a game in hand as well, which is Chelsea away. So that obviously won't be an easy one. But Liverpool have just got to... Put together a bit of a run now towards until the, the break for the World Cup and then kind of assess where they are and then uh, pick up the mantle on Boxing Day and go from there. But um, yeah, this was a a huge result. Uh, I just hope we're not talking on this pod on Friday of being you know one step forward and two back with West Ham to come on Wednesday. But yeah, um, Liverpool just looked a lot more like you know the usual selves on the game cloth and uh, long may that continue. Yeah, it, it does sort of feel like one of those games, don't you, where it's it, it's at least got the potential for it to be a, a kickstarter for Liverpool. I think the, the Anfield crowd certainly felt that it was something like that. It, it felt almost like a, a back-to-the-wall performance from the players and the, the crowd at Anfield. I thought it was you know a really brilliant occasion and now it's over to Liverpool over the next few games to make sure that they make the most of that. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting atmosphere. Best atmosphere for a while. I mean, I wrote something before the game talking about how it could be a bit different because I think the Liverpool fans have got over the fact, as Gorsi said, they're not going to win the league this year. So, you know, the expectations have changed and so have the aims. So, and I think, let's be honest, I mean, we did the podcast predictions um, before the game. One of us said 4-1 to Man City. He's not here today. What a surprise. That'll be Theo Squires. Yeah, uh, he two-footed the entire Liverpool team. Um, he said 4-1. He said 4-1 to City, yeah. Wow. <laughs> not even I said that. I just said if Liverpool had to score first, which of course they did. Didn't predict them to win, but you know I didn't. I didn't say they'd get beat if they scored first. I'm not sure entirely sure what Theo was on about. But no, going back to the going back to the initial point, that yeah, I don't think many supporters thought they were going to win. But then, how many, how many times do you play against Man City and think, ah, yeah, we're going to win this one? You just you have that kind of. I think Gorsty was the one you you fancied Liverpool, didn't you, to get something from the game before, and you were talking about it. Yeah, I just I didn't think they'd lose. Um, I just thought it, it'd be a draw, which 
didn't really help Liverpool in the grand scheme of things. So I suppose you could look at it that way. But I just, I, yeah, never really had any feeling Liverpool would lose. They haven't lost their home in front of their own fans for five and a half years. Um, that kind of gets overlooked, you know, no matter how how poorly they play. Perhaps Theo was maybe a little bit blinded by a bit of recency bias with that particular prediction, um, as that was one he got wrong. He claimed he was trying to jinx, jinx it, so it did the opposite. So if that's what worked, then, you know, Jurgen Klopp should be coming up to Theodore <laughs> Sebastian Barnaby Squires and giving him a massive hug and saying thanks a lot for that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that possibly isn't the case. Anyway, going back to the point, yeah, I do think that Anfield, as I said before, has kind of got to grips with what's going on. And it's, it's exactly the result that they wanted. It's the occasion they wanted as well. I think the fact that the game panned out the way it did were Liverpool once again had a few players missing at a different formation again. I think it worked. I think we can't overlook the fact that Klopp, you know, I think, you know, Pep did his normal thing where it's a big game. I'm going to do something crazy in my tactics. And I'll be honest, during the game, I didn't even notice. It was only when I read after the, afterwards that City were playing three at the back because I was so obsessed with the way, not obsessed, but I was so involved in how Liverpool were playing. You just knew that no matter where the City players are, they're coming from all angles. And obviously, OK, there was the obsession before the game with Haaland and how he was going to do. And I'm pretty sure we'll get on to the individual performances a bit. But as a collective, I think it was one of those games where I look back and then I was going back a long way. I think there's been games in the past where, you know, they've had Liverpool have had Tottenham came about 11, 12 years ago. Back to the world, they had loads of players missing. Liverpool won one nil. I think there was even an Everton game where things gone went a bit wrong. Liverpool won one nil. There, there are games that wouldn't say it turns the season, but it has certainly it gives people a reminder. Not least that I mentioned this in my stuff that players themselves of what they can do and what they're capable of. Because you know, City haven't lost in the Premier League this season. I'm right in saying, haven't they? They've not lost. Uh, they haven't lost a game since they played Liverpool in the in the Community Shield, which I know glorified friendly and all that, but it was still a trophy. And if you look at it, Liverpool have actually won the last three times they've played City now. You know, Pep said after the game that he thought City had been soft in those two games. He certainly was soft in this one. You look at some of the tackling that was going on, which the referee let go apart from you know, one in particular, which was just as well for Liverpool. And I think that Liverpool responded to it and the crowd responded to it. And as Gorsi said, they have to build on this because the be- probably the best thing is that they do have this game on Wednesday in terms of the crowd. Might not be so good for some of the players because they're probably absolutely shattered today. So it will, you know, we'll come to the team later on. They'll make changes, whatever have you. But I think just as an overall, the atmosphere, the whole mood around the club, which was, as Gorsi said, starting to change with that win at Rangers. You know, you know, Rangers are not quite as good a team as Manchester City. It's fair to say, but then you look at it now and you go, well, how come not everybody's won seven one there? And I think Liverpool showed against City that even with again some players missing, they they're capable of. of having the quality and the defensive resilience to, to you know, keep these teams out. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to a, a few of the individuals all the way across the pitch, Tom, but it makes sense to, to bring you in on, on Mohamed Salah. Obviously, the, the match winner got the, the vital goal, a really good goal as well, a fantastic pass to, to bring him into the game in, in that position. Obviously, it had the, the one-on-one before. A hat-trick for him against Rangers seemed to, to rub off positively for him at the weekend, as, as we thought it might. Yeah, I think, um, you know, he's needed a performance like that. It just hasn't quite happened for him this so far this season. Um, you know, we go back to that Community Shield game against Man City, the start of the season when Salo, you know, he was so good that day um, up against Cancelo, sort of throughout the match, kept getting the better of him. And um, 
you know, you just thought after that game he was going to really kick on and, you know, be back to the salary we saw last season. Uh, he was scoring pretty much every week, first few months of the season, um, particularly after he got the contract sorted. But hasn't quite happened for him, you know, in the way maybe we thought it would. But like you said, he's got the goal, the three goals against Rangers and uh, again uh, on Sunday against City. So now that he's got that, you would imagine he'll, you know, look to carry on that form in the next few games. And, um, you know, when someone like Salah you know, gets that form going, gets scoring consecutive games, you know, he's the sort of player that will be able to carry that on, you know, in the coming weeks. Um, you know, he doesn't often go through those sort of bad spells where he's not involved in the goals. So it has been unusual to see him, you know, not really involved a lot this se- this season. But, you know, he's the player that's always, you know, he can do something special in a moment. And uh, he managed to do it yesterday for Liverpool. So I'm sure Klopp will be hoping he can carry that on, particularly with uh, Jota potentially being out of the team as well for the next couple of weeks or, you know, how- however long that may be. So it's going to be even more important that he steps up. Yeah, I think that the Yugo Jota injury goes to obviously one of, of the negatives to, to come out of, of the weekend. It'll be interesting to see and we'll talk a little bit around team selection and, and that kind of thing a little bit later on. But I think one crucial thing that Liverpool have to do is get Salah into those positions against Rangers and against City. He was central and suddenly he starts scoring goals. Yeah, it was a bit of, bit of a strange decision really by Klopp to kind of tweak Salah's position at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? <clears throat> we know that him and Pep Linders always talking about staying unpredictable because it's largely the same group of players that they've had for the last four years, maybe even five years. So they do look to, to kind of spring tactical tweaks where possible. And, and the idea of Salah operating a bit wider was to try and get the best out of Darwin Nunes, who's very much a kind of spearhead down the middle, isn't he? Um, but it was a strange one because I, I just didn't get why Klopp was looking to kind of sacrifice almost a guaranteed return from Salah for a potential one from Nunes. Um, so I thought Sunday was a lot more like it in terms of getting Salah into those central areas. Um, still kind of just slightly to the right, but Harvey Elliott was operating in that, in that wide area as much as possible, wasn't he? And, and Salah could do the damage in the penalty areas as opposed to being out wide and... and Looking to cross it in and whatever else. I mean, the thoughts of cross for Jota was was unbelievable. Really, first time outside of the foot, and perhaps Jota should have done better with that one. But generally, um, I think this is the kind of blueprint for Liverpool to work towards now going forward. Um, whether that's Elliot or Henderson, I think there's a little bit of debate in the horses for courses approach there. But certainly, as long as the likes of Fabinho and, and Thiago are fit in that midfield, I think that is probably the way to go. And I think Roberto Firmino as well, to be fair. Um, a lot of people have kind of written him off as well in the last 12 to 18 months, but he's become one of Liverpool's most important players again this season. And it's just a shame that Jota's injured because obviously Lewis Diaz is already out, so Jota's out. So the question now is who you're going to shuffle over to that left? Will it be Carvalho or probably Nunes? So um, that's disappointing. We're waiting to, to hear back on the... Is it a scandal for Jota? And then um, the severity of that. Will be a little bit more known, but Liverpool haven't had great luck with injuries this season. I'm sure we should expect that one to be a, a sizable one. Sadly, you know, we went off on a stretcher, didn't he? Um, but we'll hear more from Klopp tomorrow in his pre-West Ham press conference. Uh, hopefully, it isn't as bad as what it looked. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, 
let's let's hope so we'll as you say hear from him tomorrow and you can catch that on the uh, the blood red channel and across the echo as well but uh Dodie, i wanted to, to talk about the midfield as well that's obviously been a bit of a concern for liverpool across the course of, of the start of, of this season but fabinho back in there was was good tiago was good it, it looked a lot more compact and a lot more structured and, and harvey elliott a big part of that as well on the right hand side yeah, they were all decent without being excellent, weren't they? I think it's fair to say. I mean, I've seen Thiago have better games and he certainly used the ball better, but it was a different ask for him because Liverpool had, it's very rare that Liverpool only have about 36% possession, I think they had in the end. Um, and City did end up getting, you know, <clears throat> that's by definition a lot of the ball. And so Liverpool were doing a lot of chasing around, which is perhaps more Fabinho's game than Thiago's. But Thiago got stuck in, admittedly a little bit too stuck in Rodri. That was a bit... Yeah, that was he definitely slipped, a, a tackle. Slipped, that was a, that, yeah, that was a tackle of somebody who was getting a little bit carried away and doesn't didn't normally do tackling. He just slipped as well, to be fair to him. Um, no, I mean, Harvey Elliott's an interesting one because I thought in the first half, I can't remember which game it was. It may have been the Ajax game where it kind of passed him by a little bit at Anfield. I think it was that game. Certainly struggled a bit in, in Naples. And that was the first sign of, well, perhaps he's not quite come to terms with this position. But... I think with Liverpool having changed the formation slightly, call it what you want, 4 2 3 one, four, four, two. I mean, what are we saying? I'm going forward. I reckon it's 4 2 3 one, really. Everyone seems to think like it's it's 4 4 2. Back to the other. It's like, well, no, it's not 4 4 2 because Firmino was not right up there with 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 Salah, was he? So, I don't know. Klopp keeps calling it 4 4 2, doesn't he? Yeah. He did last, yeah. He did last season as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. Um, but. Yeah, oh, sorry, when, when you see when you see a Liverpool team now written down in the eleven, you, you've got no idea what it is, do you? Because so many players can play over four or five positions, so it's I suppose that you know that flexibility helps essentially. But mm. yeah, um, I thought it was four two three one, but Klopp said four four two. So is Trent. Um, so you know, imagine that you know they they know more than us. Yeah, well, even back in the days when it was Dad Beach and Rush up front, it was never 4-4-2, it's more 4-4-1-1. So let's give them that. Let's say 4-4-1-1 for argument's sake, with, with Elliot playing a bit of a withdrawn on the right. But going back to going back to Harvey's, that in the second half, I thought he played really well. I thought um, he got to grips with the defensive work and, and he was causing City more problems the other way. That's, I think Klopp said it in his press conference before the game. We have to remind ourselves you can't cause City problems. You can't just be on the defensive all the time, which I'm sure is what... Every team that plays City says, you know, certainly when they play Liverpool, it's the same thing. So Elliot was able to get forward a bit more second half before he got substituted, although obviously everybody thought it was Mo Salah that was going up for a little minute. Um, so overall, I think Liverpool's midfield, it helped that Firmino was there to drop back as well. I think certainly when you're playing someone like City, they, they do tend to flood the midfield and that's they like players dropping in, you know. Okay, maybe a bit less so now that Haaland's there, but they still like the players dropping in between the lines. And, you know, I know Haaland has chances and Gundogan must have had about 10 shots from range, or it seemed like it, uh, dragging them all wide. But De Bruyne didn't have much of an impact on the game. And I know there have been games in the past at Anfield where he's not really done as much as you would think he would do. And I think Liverpool, certainly at home, are quite good at coping with him. And I think... Firmino's part of that, but by being able to drop deep and get involved in the midfield, and of course, we saw with uh, with as Gorsi said with the goal, the that getting Salah in those central areas is, is is an interesting thing that Liverpool have obviously looked to do in the last couple of games because that's where he can score goals. And it'll be just interesting to see what happens, as you mentioned with with Jota not there, what they're going to do on the left. 
yeah, certainly, certainly be interesting. I would imagine Fabio Cavallio might get a bit of a go in that role, but we'll come to, to that a little bit later. And Tom, I'll bring you back in it again on kind of a, a couple more big talking points, really. One was, was James Milner that I wanted to talk about quite a few concerns and I include myself in that I have to say I was a little bit worried about him playing against Phil Foden given what happened this time last year in this fixture but obviously the midfield helps with being much more compact but Milner again was was exceptional in that role. Yeah I think aside from Gomez who obviously got man of the match I thought Milner was probably best so I thought he was probably the best player apart from Gomez maybe you know should be joint with him really I thought they were just as good as each other um I think that's often the case with Milner, though. The problem is he's had a couple of games, you know, the game against City last year at home where he struggled against Foden. And the problem is with that, people remember those sort of games, um, but don't tend to remember all the good ones he's had for Liverpool. So I think, yeah, I think he's a bit underappreciated, to be honest, but I think that's been the case sort of throughout his time at Liverpool. He's never really been a player that people have you know, praised in the same, you know, the same length as Mohamed Salah, for obvious reasons, he's the one that gets all the goals. But I think Milner does, you know, he's every time he plays for Liverpool, he's consistent. He's always going to give 100% effort. You know, Foden, you know, he had that chance where he obviously gets the goal in the second half. But apart from that, um, I don't think he really was having much of an impact down that side. I think Milner was getting across um, quite early to him being aggressive in his tackles and I think that was a performance just to show people you know although he still is you know he's getting on a bit we all know that but he still brings something to this Liverpool team Klopp obviously still trusts him otherwise they wouldn't have given him another contract extension so yeah I don't think you can really underestimate the value of players like no one are really in the team and um, you know there may be the odd occasion where he does get exposed if he's not playing in his natural position in midfield but you know I think you can't expect him to be performing at right back in the, in the way he would in midfield I think that's a bit unfair on him so yeah I think it was a, a really good performance from Milner and I think uh, you know one to prove the doubt is wrong a little bit. Yeah certainly an excellent showing from him and Gorsty there Tom mentions Joe Gomez as well alongside him who I thought was absolutely outstanding one of his best games for a long long time. Yeah um, probably his best game for well over two years. Um, it, it it just looked like the kind of partnership that they had in 2020, didn't it? 2019-20 when Gomez and Van Dijk were the kind of bedrock that Liverpool built, built their league title win on. Um, so I'm, I'm delighted for Joe Gomez to be honest because he, he's had a really tough couple of years. Um, he obviously had that injury when he was on England duty in November, didn't he? And then... Um, come back from injury last summer at a time when Canate had just been signed and Matip was fit again and Van Dijk was fit again and he didn't really get a look in in terms of playing at centre-back and um, he was always willing to to do a job for the team at right-back even though he um, he you know probably doesn't like playing that position does he? He very much sees himself as a centre-back and, and he always has but um, had a bit of a tough time of it first off getting in the team and then you know when he was in the team, there were some difficult moments, you know, looking at the Napoli game. I think that was his most recent start, wasn't it? Um, Napoli game and Liverpool were absolutely terrible, weren't they? And, and Gomez was as culpable as anyone. So, uh, delighted that he was back in the team and performing. And I even heard um, someone talking about England yesterday. I mean, I think that might be a little bit premature because he hasn't played, well, if he was injured on 
in training for England in, in November 2020. I can't remember when the last time he actually played for England was. So it's um, it's well over two years since he's played for England. But um, at his absolute best, I don't think there's too many better England centre-halves. But he's probably going to have to put a hell of a consistent run together now before he's even considered for that. But yeah, as I say, delighted for him and, and hopefully he can build on it. There's only got yeah, seven games. There's only been like seven games to the World Cup, isn't it? And if the injuries go the way they are, he's probably going to play a lot of them at centre backs. And with this World Cup being one where the Premier League season finishes on a Saturday and then nine days later England are playing Iran, I think this is one where you've got to play your form players. So if 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 Gomez and I think actually, am I right in saying I might have got this wrong? Does Southgate name his squad this week? I remember reading somewhere it was October the twentieth. It doesn't Where's have it doesn't have to name it. It doesn't have to name it until I think it's November the. 15th or something like that but i'm sure i read somewhere that he was thinking of doing it early so maybe i'm wrong it wouldn't be the first time but yeah gomez uh, the england chat yeah i can see why it's, it's a little bit um premature but if he's playing really well over the next couple of weeks why on earth wouldn't you take him it's not as though england have got many good players yeah Fair point. I think he was was exceptional, as the, the comment said before. One of his, his best games for for sure, and and Virgil Van Dijk as well, Bodie. I'll, I'll stick with you on on him. I thought, you know, again, we knew he was going to have to put in a big performance against Erling Haaland, and and did so not least with the, the last ditch header over the bar near the end when the, the ball was, I think, headed back towards Haaland, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, Virgil Van Dijk not been the best so far this season, but certainly his best performance as well, I'd say. No, it was, a, it was a good performance from him, to be fair. It was kind of like the Van Dyke that we got used to for years. And I think, for whatever reason, he's not quite been uh, massively top levels, but it's still better than most other defenders. So I don't think we can say much of it's been completely his fault, the, the way the season's gone. Um, but yeah, Van Dyke, he, uh, he just seemed to... He just kind of brought, brought, brought it out of him, didn't he? Coming up against Haaland, I think he thought, hang on, right, we're not having this. And what was it? I read someone said that the thing about Haaland is that he looked 22 years old. You know what I mean by that? He, he looks somebody who hadn't quite, you know, even though he's played for Dortmund in big games against Bayern Munich, and he's played at Anfield before, playing for Salzburg. I did think he looked like somebody got, not lost, but he didn't seem to be quite as domineering as he has been or as bullying as he has been in, in other games that we've seen in this season. Even in the Community Shield, there was chances where we were just knocking players over. We didn't seem to have a lot of that in him. And whether or not that was the atmosphere or just the whole, Liverpool's great defensive performance, probably a bit of both. I just think he looked a little bit, not lost, but not quite himself. And Liverpool made the most of that. That's kind of what you get with him, though, isn't it? He doesn't touch the ball a great deal of times. When he does touch it, he tends to be in those big positions where he can score from. But well, he still, he still had, he still had two or three really good chances, didn't he? Yeah. Alisson made two good saves. I mean, the, the one time Liverpool were lucky, we had that free header at the far post in the first half, and he put it straight at him. And I think if that had gone anywhere else, I think it would have been a very different game. But he didn't. So there you go. Yes, a rare occasion where Manchester City, or rather Liverpool, didn't concede the, the first goal but uh, yeah Tom Andy Robertson as well back in the, the side I thought he was was a big big help for, for that defence as well I don't want to sort of be too harsh on Costa Simicas in, in any way shape or form but I think Andy Robertson certainly an upgrade on him and just the, the intensity really that he brings all across the Liverpool team that was a, a big boost for me as well The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah, I think Robertson's sort of player that really thrives in the sort of um, 
you know, games of big stakes, you know, like against Man City, Man United. He's a sort of player, I think, that really relishes those sort of matches. Um, you know, he's quite an aggressive player, Robertson, when he's playing normally. And um, I think it was actually against Man City, wasn't it, that press he did a few years ago when it was sort of starting on the halfway line and closing down Man City defence and Edison um, to win that free kick. I think it was in that 4-3 win over City. So I think... Um, yeah, it didn't surprise me. He had a good game as well because, you know, whenever he's playing, he's normally uh, pulling to a good standard, Robertson. So I think he was quite effective both going forward and defensively. Um, and I think Simicus, like you said, it's a bit unfortunate for him because he has played well when he's been in the team. But I don't think you can really overlook Robertson really for that starting spot. I think yesterday sort of proved why he's been one of the best players in that position over the last few years. Um you know, I thought he was excellent throughout throughout the game, along with all the other defenders. So, yeah, it's a positive performance uh, from Robertson yesterday. We mentioned before, Gosty, just before we move on to, to the West Ham game and, and sort of picking our teams for, for that one. I mean, we mentioned before it's got to be a point where Liverpool kick on from. They've got to go on a little bit of a run. But uh, as Doidi said, the West Ham game probably comes around quite nicely for Liverpool in terms of it being straight away. There's then Nottingham Forest, which you'd fancy Liverpool to, to go there and, and be able to beat them. There is an opportunity now between now and the World Cup. There is a few winnable games for Liverpool. If they can kick on, they could start to put together a bit of a run here. Yeah, and I think, I think the midweek fixtures have fallen quite nicely as well because I think... Um... I was looking at last night. Do Tottenham play United? Um, I think I've seen United's next two games are Tottenham and Chelsea, I think. Um, so there's the opportunity for one or two decent results there, you know, however they fall. But yeah, Liverpool just got to put together a run now. I mean, you know, Wednesday night um, will help it at Anfield under the lights. Hopefully, the kind of momentum built up from Sunday will carry through to Wednesday and it's another big game, but you'd expect. Liverpool to to win it if they're anywhere near as good as they were yesterday. Uh, and then Forest on Saturday, a little bit of a different proposition, but one that I think Liverpool will benefit from being an early game as opposed to being an evening game with, with the Forest crowd and, and they're a far better team than Nottingham Forest. They've just got to go there and win. So I think Liverpool have got to really be looking at six points this week and then they're just seeing how much further up the table they are because they can't be making any kind of grand long-term assessments at the moment. You've just got to see where the lay of the land is when they finish for the uh, winter break in the uh, middle of November and then kind of start to assess it from there. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's another big big week, isn't it? Um, but let's see how, how they go. Yeah, a big week. Well, Liverpool, certainly on the evidence of, of what we've seen of, of West Ham Doily so far this season, they've not been particularly at their best either. I know they're only two points behind Liverpool. They have played again more they've got a few good players as well but it is one that particularly at home you'd fancy Liverpool would be able to, to get the better of, of them particularly off the back of what happened this weekend they've got seven points from nine and they've got three from the Europa League group or uh, sorry your conference league group already so you know they've got they're doing I mean I thought they were in slightly false position at the start of the season when they were down near the bottom I think no one really expected them to stay there after the last couple of seasons they've had under David Moyes and if there's one one manager who'll be quite keen to put one over Liverpool, it's him. And I think the you know West Ham caused last season. Obviously, West Ham beat Liverpool at West Ham. That wasn't a very good only the, one of only two games Liverpool lost in the league last season. And the game at home, pretty sure it was one nil, wasn't it? And then West Ham missed a massive chance towards the end, didn't they? 
who was it? I can't remember. Is it four nails? Put it over. He had the volley. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he normally right. scores against Liverpool. But if he's fit, you know, he's going to be one of their goal threats. So with Antonio, and they've got the uh, the Italian lad, probably his name I've forgotten at the moment. He's him. Yeah. He, uh, he's finally found his feet, hasn't he? Started scoring goals. So I think West Ham are quite a durable team. And I do think they'll, they'll cause Liverpool problems. But you're right. I mean, they don't often win at Anfield, do they? Let's be honest. And I think Liverpool do need to get the momentum from this game, get that game won. Go off to Forest. Good point, Ghosty makes about being an early kickoff. Not so great for us getting there, but you know, um, it, it really is not great to get there. To be honest, I haven't gone there to the cup game last last season, which was a good atmosphere actually. But that was the game where um, Forest fans were asking Liverpool, you know, where's your atmosphere? And it's like, well, it's at Anfield. Come on, why are you being so stupid? City so, fans were asking um, that yesterday. Yeah, well, it, so it will be. You know, that's. You're right. I think there's only Tottenham away, isn't it, that you could argue as being a difficult game because they've got Southampton and Leeds at home. You'd like to think they can. The, the, the three home games that they've got covered up now, they've got to be looking to get nine points if they want to get up that league. Because if they can finish with, I don't know, say, you know, Tottenham will be away, will be hard. If they can get 12 points at least from these last games before the World Cup, it's a very different second half of the season for Liverpool because it'll give them, you know, that kind of momentum and confidence going into the break, which, let's be honest, is now, what, less than a month away? It is indeed. Yeah, Liverpool need to, to start getting those points on the board, putting themselves in a good position. So, with that in mind, let's pick our team. I'll stay with you, Doyle. Obviously, we know Alisson will be in goal, but the back four, I mean, Trent, a surprise inclusion in the matchday squad and, and came on. Does, does he come back in for this one, or would you be sticking with the team that beat Manchester City at the weekend? It's interesting, isn't it? Because Liverpool's best two performances this season have come when he's not been playing. So, hmm. he came on and played at the right wing, didn't he? As well, he played. He did. He did. But, having said all of that, James Milner, can you imagine what state he'll be in this morning? He'll probably <laughs> barely walk. Um, so, I'd imagine, I'd imagine he's probably not going to play. So, I would be having Trent at right back. But hopefully, hopefully with Trent, even if he was only out, he was only out for the two games just a week. He'll have had time to take stock and go. Well, actually, that's what you know. I know what I can bring to this team, but that's what Joe Gomez did against Rangers. That's what James Milner did against Man City. I need to look up some of the stuff that they've done defensively and take that into my game without compromising my forward play too much. Like, and also the change of formation, to be fair, means we are very much not going to see him turning up in a centre forward position as that happened quite a few times this season. I think we're not going to see that again this season. If we do. Something's probably gone wrong. Yes, very much back to basics. Tom, is it the same for you as well? Trent back in, Robertson keeps his place and the centre-back's the same or are you making any changes? Yeah, I think um, I think you put Trent back in at right-back. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a boost. He's, he's already uh, available to play again for Liverpool. So, yeah, I think you'd put Trent, um, Trent at right-back, Robertson on the other side and then... I think it's got to be Gomez and Van Dijk, centre-backs. Gorsty, if that's the same for you as well, we'll move on to the midfield, but I'll let you uh, let you make that call. Let me make... Oh, no, have we lost Gorsty? Have we not? No, I'm still here. I'm just, I'm just deep in thought. Um, <laughs> I think we did lose Alexander Arnold on the bench. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we were expecting to be sidelined for a fortnight, and normally when... When you, you kind of hear the length of times of the pool injuries, you normally expect them 
two weeks is really eight weeks. So it was a, a real surprise to see him back on the bench yesterday and even more of a surprise to see him getting on the pitch. Um, I mean, it'd be harsh to, to drop Milner, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I'm going to bring Trent back in and obviously the rest picks itself, really. Do you want to go for your midfield as well then? Yeah, um, it, it's hard. It's hard making a case for for or not making a case for anyone who started yesterday because I thought everyone was, was excellent, really. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep the midfield three: Elliot, Thiago, and, and Fabinho. Dory, any changes from you in the middle? Argument possibly for Henderson coming back in, or are you going the same as well? Um. Well, it's going to be what it's going to be the four-two-three-one again. So I'd have Henderson instead of Thiago. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Save Thiago's legs and bring him off the bench. Tom, which way for you? Yeah, I think Henderson probably makes sense to bring him in for this one. Um, you know, having not started against City, I think that's probably the best the best option for this one. So uh, yeah, I'd go Henderson as well. Good stuff. I'll stick with you as well, Tom. For the forward line, a bit of an issue with not many left-sided players. How are you going to fix that? Um, I'm just thinking about whether... I've liked Carvalho this season, what we've seen him. I think he looks quite good for Liverpool. Um, it's just whether Klopp would trust him, you know, starting him in this sort of game. I'm not sure. Um, it's a difficult one. I think Firmino and Salah are the two that sort of, you know, you would imagine are going to be kind of nailed on starting again. Um I think I'd probably go for Carvalho as the other person, so I'd probably play him on the left. So, yeah, I think Carvalho would be the third one for me. Gorsi, which way are you going? There is obviously the argument for, for Darwin Nunez maybe on the, the left-hand side. Carvalho's there as well. There are there are one or two options for Liverpool to pick from. Yeah, to be honest, I, I reckon I'd go with Nunez on the left. I mean, I don't think he's... I think he's better suited to leading the line, but he has played on the left for Benfica before, and, and there was one little surge, wasn't there, in the second half where he really got at the fullback. Was it Kanji actually? Um, there wasn't many fullbacks were there for City, and he just kind of surged through and put that ball in for Trent. And um, if it's not quite working out, then you've got the option of Carvalho on the left. But um, I'm going to start Nunes. Yeah, I'm with you actually. Which which way are you going to go, Doyle? Are you Nunes on the left, or which way? Well, um, there isn't any other body else, is there really? There's no one else. Curtis Jones, possibly, but he's not going to be playing. He might play against Forrest, actually. Um, but yeah, I think I'll go the same as what YouTube said. Good stuff. Right, let's go for match predictions then. Gorsdale, I'll come to you first on this one. Liverpool-West Ham, how do you reckon? Do you know what? I like the look of that Skamaka for West Ham, actually. Um, he looks like he could could be quite decent. Um, obviously, different kettle of fish going to... Anfield, if it's an informed Liverpool up against Van Dijk. Um, I think it might might be close, actually. I think Liverpool win 2-1. Yeah, I was going to say 2-1 as well, actually. I think they have got a couple of, of good players, haven't they, Doyle? What scoreline for you? I know 2-1 as well. And Tom? I think now that they've um, you know managed to get that clean sheet and you know sort of ended that run of conceding first, I think they might take a bit of confidence from that. So... I think they might get another clean sheet, so I'm going to say 2-0 to Liverpool. 
Excellent stuff. Well, at least no one's predicted a 4-1 win to West Ham, but uh, we'll leave it there. Hopefully that is the Reds turned a corner for this season. Plenty more reaction to the win over Manchester City to come. We'll build up to West Ham before you know it as well. Jurgen Klopp's press conference, as we mentioned before, is on Tuesday. Make sure you're across the echo liverpool.com and Blood Red for all of that. But until next time, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.